0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are
1: Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: What's
1: up? no run this time. Not the middle. Rams bring it, Keenum gets rid of it, Thielen makes a move, and Thielen!
2: Off to the races, touchdown!
1: It's a Victory Monday on Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Vikings win their sixth straight. They're 8-2 after taking care of the Los Angeles Rams 24-7. My name's Sam Ekstrom. The co-host is Sage Rosenfels. If you listen to Friday's show, you might remember that Sage had a whirlwind yesterday doing the NFL tour through Texas. So before we get to Vikings football and this red-hot Minnesota team, Let's hear about the big Andre Johnson ring of honor ceremony and the, the Texans slash Cowboys games that you attended yesterday.
0: Well, there there's so much to talk about from the Andre Johnson weekend. I feel like I should probably go on the locked on Texans uh, you know, podcast at some point this week, but it was a, an unbelievable weekend and uh, you know, and very different from any other uh, of these sort of homecoming weekends that I've been to, you know, I, we talked about a month or so ago that I was at the Ahmad Rashad uh, uh, induction to, into the Ring of Honor, and, and obviously, sort of the, the Vikings homecoming. You know, you're dealing with a lot of the you know the Purple People Eaters, and the you know the guys who played in the '70s and '80s, and then just some sort of random guys who have stayed around Minneapolis over the course of the last 20 years. In Houston, being that it's a new franchise, you know, started in 2002, every guy there was between the ages of about 45 and 35 right yeah so 45 between 45 and 35 and pretty much everybody sort of played with each other in one way or another and we had open bar two nights in a row so let's just say it was like a, I, I described it was a imagine the locker room but there was open bar in the middle and we had nowhere to go I mean it was <laughs> it, it was a lot of it was a lot of fun and uh and and Andre Johnson, I think what was really special about it was, um, you know, he's the first, he's the first Texan to go in the Ring of Honor. All right? He's sort of the, the first one to sort of make the Texans a, a legitimate franchise with NFL, you know, uh, stardom. You know, he, he he was a star player. Uh, I think a six or seven time Pro Bowler. Real, I, I can't imagine him not being the Hall of Fame um, and, uh, and, and just a, a great, great, great player. So, you know, he is the first for the Texans. And, and as somebody said at the the dinner on, on Saturday night, you know, any other player, uh, in, in Texans history going forward, who they even think about putting up at the ring of honor is going to naturally be compared, you know, was he as good as Andre Johnson? You know, did he go to you know, five, six, seven Pro Bowls. You know, was he one of the best players in the league for multiple years as far as at, at his position? Andre Johnson was. You know, J.J. Watt will probably mm-hmm. be there someday. Not going to have the longevity uh, I can imagine that Andre had. So, um, yeah, it was a special week. And then yesterday, right after the game, hopped in the car, uh, got to the airport, flew up here, literally got my, I was getting my ticket at, 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 uh, at, uh, at kickoff uh, of the Cowboys Eagles game last night, sat next to Steve Loney's uh, family, who was my college offensive coordinator, former offensive coordinator uh, for the Minnesota Vikings, and the line coach, uh, and sat next to his family and watched. do uh, already call it the Sunday Night Massacre. I mean, it was uh, it was uh, Eagles all the way in the second half, and but it was still great to watch that game and and obviously be in the Jerry Dome. That place is just absurd. I will take U.S. Bank Stadium. Every day of the week as far as watching the football game compared to the Jerry Dome, uh, it, to me, it's such a better experience. It's a massive place, but uh, but U.S. Bank is, is has a it's just so much better to watch the game.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that just in terms of the intimacy and the, the noise they've created at U.S. Bank Stadium with the structure gives such a home field advantage to it, and it actually really played a part in yesterday's game, and I know you, you were... Packed with your day. You didn't get to watch every play. You've seen the highlights, but noise was a gigantic factor in the Vikings Rams game. But I mean, after five games this season, I think we would have agreed the Chiefs were the Super Bowl favorites. And I think what you saw last night solidified that after 10 games, the Philadelphia Eagles are the new Super Bowl favorites because 30 straight points in the second half, Carson Wentz is turning into a top 10 quarterback. And uh, I don't know who's going to beat them. If they get to go through the playoffs at home in Philadelphia, wow. That, that's a team that I'm scared of.
0: Well, shoot, I think Carson Wentz right now is playing like a top five quarterback, at least what I saw last night. This kid is really, really good. He makes a you know a few mistakes here and there, and sometimes he gets in trouble, but seems like he, he didn't really get into, into that trouble last night. But they do so many things with him. It's just not, you know, he's... If you look at him like, oh, he's a drop back passer. You know, he's six foot five, almost six foot six. But he's not. They do a ton of you know bootleg stuff, a ton of move in the pocket stuff, and uh, uh, and he's such an accurate thrower. He's a great athlete, and um, and he was on fire last night. Their their defense is really good, much better than it, I think it has been the last few years in Philadelphia. That's been a strength. You know, Chip Kelly's defenses weren't great. This defense has become really good. The running game now. Uh, was, was for real last night. So, yeah, this this uh, Eagles team uh, right now is the favorite. You know, two-thirds, almost three-quarters of the way through the season. This Eagles team uh, must be the favorite to go uh, and then win, win the NFC.
1: Yep, they're the only rush defense that's better than Minnesota's. And Minnesota's rush defense was on display yesterday as well. Let me just kind of set the stage here and give some context to what Minnesota did yesterday. So, the Rams came in. Highest-scoring offense in football. They were the best third-down offense in football. They uh, were perfect on the road. Their road totals, 41 points, 35 points, 27 points, 51 points. They had seven consecutive games where they'd rushed for 100-plus yards as a team. So then yesterday happens. They get shut out for the final 55 minutes, 42 seconds. They score seven points a season low. They rush for 45 yards, a season low, and they go for 3 of 11 on third downs. They were getting outgained at one point, 452 to 200, until they got 54 yards late against the Vikings backups. It was a defensive clinic by Minnesota. Anthony Harris strips the ball out on the half-yard line, recovers it himself, the biggest play of the game and I don't think it's even close. It's a seven-point swing and lifted the Vikings' sideline big time. Case Keenum told me after the game, massive momentum switch. And the 24 points Minnesota scored should have been more. Kai Forbath missed two field goals. Uh, they could have converted you know, at least one of those drives into touchdowns. It would have been over 30. It really was not close. And the better team by far won the game yesterday, even though it took a while for Minnesota to put them away. That was the most impressive performance I would say the Vikings have had all year.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- this game really until uh, Adam Thielen, we made that catch and run, uh, you know, what was at midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, it, 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 it was a close game, but it didn't feel as close because it just, you know, the, the, the Rams couldn't get much going. The Vikings were doing so many good things defensively, yet they were still sort of controlling the ball and it seemed like moving it offensively, just not scoring a lot of points. And then finally the gates opened up and, and the Vikings put them away. Uh, with, with a couple of great drives there in the fourth quarter. So, you know, if you look at, like, the defensive stats uh, for the Rams, you can't, if you're the, one of their coaches, you got to be, uh, you know, disappointed, you know, no sacks, no turnovers. Um, you know, gave up some explosive plays in the run game and the pass game. Case Keenum, uh, you know, doing a heck of a job again. Uh, you know, pulled a few uh, rabbits out of the hat yesterday, that one play where he dips a, a couple times and, <laughs> and has about a, a quarter of a second to, to throw a ball to, to Thielen. What uh, an unbelievable play. One of the best plays of the week in the NFL, I thought, from yesterday. The running game was, was solid for the Vikings. And, uh, and and all around, you know, defensively, what the Vikings did against that attack, you know, Gurley only having 37 yards. Jared Goff threw 37 passes for only 225 yards. You know, that that's very, very good. Usually when you throw that many balls, you're getting to the 250, 275, 300-yard you know, mark. So they so they you know, stopped the Rams from making any big plays. They stopped the run game, is what Chad Greenaway was talking about. Uh, you have to do first uh, against this ball club. And it was really a, sort of a perfectly executed win by the Minnesota Vikings.
2: Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network in this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time. I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash per is offering fifteen percent off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast dot com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing.
1: I mentioned it a couple times during the week. Maybe the one flaw in the Rams was their rush defense. And the Vikings exploited it. They got better as the game went on. Latavius Murray seems to be getting healthier with every game. Minnesota with a season high, 171 yards on the ground. And Murray with 95 of those and a couple of touchdowns. Case Keenum, 27 of 38 for 280. One touchdown, no picks. Couple brilliant escapes. Adam Thielen, six catches, 123 yards, and a 65 yard touchdown to put the game away Uh, case Keenum distributed the ball to nine different receivers yesterday
0: yep I was just gonna say that Uh, that, that's incredible
1: and (laughs) we're getting there in terms of an endorsement from Mike Zimmer it wasn't really (laughs) wholehearted but he did say quote it'll be hard to yank him out of there right now so I guess that's the best we're gonna get from
0: Zimmer (laughs) at this point yeah I don't know if there's some sort of mind game thing going on uh, or what, you know, I, I talked to Steph, Kevin Stefanski a few weeks ago and he was sort of in agreement with me, like, you know, and he's the quarterback coach, you know, Case Keenum's playing really good football right now. We didn't go too deep into the, you know, the politics of the whole thing, but I don't know too many other NFL quarterbacks around the league who have won six in a row uh, and probably have a, a near 100 quarterback rating at this point. Yet their job seems to be a little bit in doubt as far as week to week you know, type situation. So Case survives another week, six and six in a row, uh, you know, 27 to 38 for 280 and a touchdown, no interceptions, no sacks. Uh, That's a lot on the O-line and it's a lot on Case Keenum as well. He is playing fantastic football.
1: Yeah. That's six of nine games now where Keenum has not been sacked. A lot of that is the offensive line. And a lot of that is Keenum. As we saw yesterday, where the, the duck the duck under was phenomenal. He get like just slips under Connor Barwin and then finds Thielen. And then he had that one play too. And I don't know if this made the highlight package. Maybe it didn't. But there was one play where he literally held the ball for 10 seconds. I timed it with a stopwatch. He held the he rolled right, held the ball, held the ball, moved around, shifted his feet, and then as the pressure finally came, he he dumped it off for a five yard gain. But it was classic Keenum. Where he just finds a way to to at the last second make the right throw, and he's usually pretty accurate with it. And and even though a lot of those throws might seem dangerous, he seems to put him in a spot where if they're not going to be caught, uh, they're going to be incomplete and not intercepted. And that is, I think, is a valuable
0: skill. Well, the thing about him, you know, he really does have a quick release. I mean, he really does. Uh, and he's the being that he's not, you know, six foot five, two thirty. He's a smaller guy. I mean, he, he's quick. He's sort of like a Drew Brees. He's, just, he's quick in and out of the pocket with a quick release. He knows where he wants to go with the ball. Uh, and he's a, he's a good enough athlete. He's a, he's a better athlete than people realize as far as running around or getting away from pressure when he has it. But on top of it, the O-line is a much improved unit from a year ago. I mean, we, you know, we, we slammed them last year, uh, and, and for good reason. You know, they, they were one of the worst O-lines in the league last year. Uh, and now they're, they're they are a very very solid uh, a tough group they're they're doing a good job in pass protection very good job uh running the football i've got you know three to four new guys uh, in that lineup and they've stayed fairly healthy uh so far this year knock on wood over here but uh, mm-hmm. uh that, yeah, you got to give credit to that offensive line uh for, you know for, for for just being a much improved unit
1: this year and the crazy thing is is that they were kind of banged up during the preseason, and this unit barely played together before the regular season. It's their first year gelling together in this Tony Sperano system, and yet they're still doing what they're doing. They are tied for the fewest sacks allowed in the league with New Orleans at 10. 10 sacks, and four of those were in one half against a hobbled Sam Bradford. So, I mean, just wipe that off the board. And then you've got six sacks allowed this year. I mean, that's totally insane. And they really shut out Aaron Donald. I mean, Donald got to the quarterback a couple times. One of the hits he had on Keenum led to a roughing the passer penalty. He had an offsides call. I think he had two tackles in the game. He had some nice plays where he almost got home. But in general, they, they really put the clamp on Aaron Donald. And obviously, Keenan was very poised. And the offense looked really good with 451 yards total for the game question
0: yeah. so so where are we here I, I think you know the big conversation last week uh, at least you know for me you know I, I like getting into it with people a little bit on Twitter or whatever you know was that you know Teddy Bridgewater despite the fact he hasn't thrown a football in a game for you know almost two years now uh, you know hasn't uh, you know been out there in a game for a year and a half the, the thought is I think amongst a lot of the Bridgewater Fans and I'm a Teddy Bridgewater fan, but the thought is that he has a higher ceiling, and therefore the Vikings have a higher ceiling, you know, than Case Keenum. I'm not sure if that's true at this point. I'm not sure if, if uh, you know, Teddy, even if he had a couple games under his belt, would be playing as well as Case is playing right now. I mean, he, he is playing just superb football, and it seems to be getting better now. You know, the deeper he gets into this thing, so. It's really interesting uh, that that sort of whole case versus Teddy conversation. People just have this assumption that you know we Teddy we were Super Bowl bound two years ago, and, and Teddy was the man going into uh, you know last season before his injury. And people are still on that you know that that sort of bandwagon. It's understandable, but you also there's there's a lot of question marks that so we have no idea if he'll be able to move around you know as he did when he was healthy. That we have no idea. You know what his confidence level is, and you know, and all those type of things with with his knee, um, and 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 you know, just the way that that uh, Keenum has just built this rapport with his wide receivers, in particular, feeling uh, is really special. So uh, it's a really interesting, you know, conversation piece that really no other NFL team is having right now. No team is uh, is a hot team that you know has won five, six in a row, and yet we're still talking about a quarterback competition.
1: Yeah. I think the Vikings are riding a wave right now with Keenum of crazy momentum where it would be foolish to try to to upset that. I think the concept of Bridgewater having a higher ceiling may be true, but here's the thing. Are you going to capture that higher ceiling immediately? Probably not. It might take two or three games until Bridgewater's able to reach that level, and you don't really have two or three games with six games to go. The Vikings still want the number one seed, obviously. They're one game back of Philly. They are tied with New Orleans, who, by the way, has won eight in a row and had a ridiculous comeback yesterday. So they can't take their foot off the gas. They've got the Rams one game behind. They've got the Panthers one game behind, and they still have to play the Panthers. The NFC is still a total logjam, and the Vikings are right in the thick of it. But one loss that if they choose to make the switch and they lose a game because of it, that could cost them a buy. It could cost them one game closer to the Super Bowl.
0: We know that in Minnesota. I mean that you know the 2009 year with Favre. We're you know we're 12 and four, but we really lost a couple games there at the end of the season. You know at Carolina, uh, in Chicago, and that cost us home field advantage, uh, and we had to go to New Orleans, obviously, and, and lost. So uh, you know the, the 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 better you do. Uh, you know, it's not just getting in the playoffs, or it's not just a win to the division. You know, once you know you get towards December, and you only got two losses, now you're talking home field advantage. And the Vikings, you know, they do have a legitimate shot at having home field advantage this year.
1: Yeah, and it helps to have the tiebreaker. That's for sure. Got the tiebreaker over the Saints. Got the tiebreaker over the Rams. Uh, the Eagles right now, obviously, uh, are nine and one, and they're not going to play each other head to head. So then it comes down to conference record. Right now, the Eagles are seven and zero. Vikings are six and one, and still six games to go this season.
0: That NFC East is is not looking like a great division right now. So they might walk all the way to you know to being fifteen and one. You know, very, very very easily. And the Giants aren't very good. Obviously, the Cowboys, they're not very good either. You know, and, and Washington is is uh, they're they're a solid team, but you know they're they're not playing great. They're not winning games, I should say. Uh, so, uh, it, it looks like this is a, an Eagles walk through all the way to, you know, to, to, you know, possibly home field advantage.
1: Well, how about this? I'm looking at their schedule now. So next week they play Chicago at home. That's a win. So they're 10 and one then at Seattle and then at Los Angeles and then at the New York giants the, I don't know if the giants beat the chiefs yesterday. So you never know what they're <laughs> going to do. But I'm, what I'm saying is they've got a stretch of three straight road games the Vikings have a stretch of three straight road games right now. That could be the defining factor in the number one seed in the NFC is who comes out of these three game stretches against pretty good competition unscathed. Minnesota has Detroit on Thursday, a short week. How did you handle these short weeks? Uh, how many of those did
0: you have in your career? Uh, you know, 12 years, I'm going to say three to four Um You know, Thursday night. I I started a Thursday night game, and and I the thing is, I had really, really sprained my right ankle really, really bad on a Sunday afternoon game in a win uh, when I was playing for the Texans, and we had that quick turnaround, uh, and 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 you know, really luckily, uh, you know, you almost don't practice. You you do these sort of walk through, jog through, you know, you know type things. You maybe the receiver, everyone's around about eighty, you know, eighty percent. Um, you know, throughout the week. So you, and in some ways, you're almost more rested. But the thing is that, you know, the guys' bodies are just so beat up uh, from Sunday. The linemen, the linebackers, the running backs. Um, and a lot of times teams don't, I uh, uh, they don't game plan uh, for these Thursday night games, but they try to use as much as the, you know, the previous couple of weeks' game plans uh, that they sort of did use in the game you know, hey, we got this package that we end up not using the game on Sunday. Let's keep it in the game for this Thursday game because we've already practiced it. You know, the last week, or the last couple of weeks. Uh, let's use those reps to our advantage. So uh, it's it's it, it, and I think there's a really interesting stat where home teams have a decided advantage uh, in these Thursday night games as well.
1: And this Vikings Lions game is Thursday morning, 11:30 Central Time. You lose about. Eight more hours there of rest time and prep time, and you've got to really get up for that game. The Vikings have a practice tomorrow at 1 o'clock, and then I assume some kind of walkthrough on Wednesday before they fly to Detroit, but a huge advantage for the home team because Detroit would probably be able to do a lot more on Wednesday than the Vikings. It does help, though, that you're prepping for a team that you know extremely well, whereas if you were prepping for another NFC team or maybe an AFC team that you haven't faced in three years— That's going to be a lot more difficult than taking on the Lions. And the Vikings have the book on Detroit. Detroit has the book on Minnesota. They can just dig up their old notes, and they can just play. And and they probably don't need to do a whole lot of unique preparation for this particular opponent.
0: Yeah, it's going to be really important for this Viking, in particular the defense, I think, to get a lot of rest this week because they are going to have to be a high-energy ball club uh, to go against this Detroit Lions offense and Matt Stafford. So, you know, I think really key right now is you, you're getting your mental reps and mentally you got to be into the, into the game plan, but physically, you know, every second of the day should be in, in some way trying to recover, you know, eat as healthy as possible, drink uh, as much water as possible, get as much sleep at night uh, as possible. The, the physical recuperation as far as your, as your preparation is, is vital in these, in these four-day weeks.
1: Well, uh, you smoked me again in our confidence picks.
0: I thought I picked the Packers, though. I I did pick the Packers to win, didn't I?
1: Well, you did, but you got the other three. I also picked the Packers, so we both lost that. And then you got the other three. I picked the Bears trying to pull the upset, and I almost got it. But you got the Lions in that one. So you gained 135 on me in that particular game. And you put a lot of points on your games. You had 100 on the Vikes. You had 80 on the Eagles. So I went you, for it. Yeah, you did. You went big, and it paid off. You are now up by 255 points in the standings, so you've really got a big edge. I need to wipe you out some week and just go 4-0 <laughs> to get back in this thing. Nice job.
0: It was, it was a good week. Good week of football all around. Obviously, great week for the Vikings, and, and uh, I tell you, this season, a heck of a lot more fun to talk about. Uh, then you know, then then the end of last season when the Vikings were, you know, losing they lost five in a row or whatever it was, five, six in a row there. So it's been a lot of fun for, for us to be able to talk about this team. It's a fun team to watch.
1: Yeah, it is. And I think they are, are legitimate. They're obviously playoff contenders, but it's approaching the point where you can start whispering about the Super Bowl. This is a team that if they get a home game in the playoffs and a bye and they're in the NFC title game, I'd take my chances. I mean, there there really aren't too many teams I'd be scared of them, except for maybe Philadelphia right now if you're a Vikings fan. So you can be hopeful. I think that's allowed. And if the Vikings win on Thursday, that really puts a vice grip on this division. It would give them a three-game lead with five to go. So we'll talk a little bit about this game on Wednesday, Sage, when you rejoin us. We'll watch for your article on thescore.com, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great. He's Sage on Twitter, at SageRosenfels18. My name's Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. Thanks for listening. It's Locked On Vikings, Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, sports fans. My name's Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune in to Lockdown Wolves daily Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Lockdown Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.